0: this is, of course, the 80s Montage. Bringing it to you. Tell you what, mate, we've got a huge episode
1: today. Huge. This is especially for our UK punters. Is it? They've been jumping on board every week. Yeah. Like 100 downloads a day from the UK. Yeah. So they know it's happening. Yeah, yeah. So if I mention these words to you, JB, Lonnie Gordon, Divine, Jason Donovan, Melon Kim, Rick Astley, Princess Sonia, Donna Summer, Banana Rama, Dead or Alive, Brother Beyond, Sanita. What does that remind you of?
0: All right. Well, of course, obviously all the thing that all of those have in common is Stock Aitken Waterman. Yeah. This is the Stock Aitken Waterman show that we've been promising for a couple of weeks. We're very excited to bring it to you. We've been um, Talking to a lot of people, watching a lot of material, listening to a hell of a lot of musical material. It's been a fantastic step back in time.
1: Ah, <laughs> you with me? Um, you're better than the devil, I know, anyway. <laughs> hey, um, have you have you got a favourite artist from Stock Aitken and a
0: Um, Yeah, I do, I do, yeah. Who It'd is it? It'd be Mel and Kim. It'd really? Be, yeah, absolutely, mate. Wow. You play those tracks... I've been, we've, we've, um, we've got a new car, so we've, we've got a really fucking good uh, Stezza in the new car. Stereo is a Stezza. Stezza. Yeah, for people overseas, a Stezza. What Australians like to do is cut everything down. It's called elition. We cut everything down, don't we? Because we're lazy. Lozza, bottle-o. Yeah, all of that kind of shit. Bottle-o is bottle, bottle shop. And the Stezza is a Stereo. So anyway. Stessa. Been playing some Mel and Kim on the Stezza in the car and it it bloody, it, it still is like fresh. Like you could release yeah. it now yeah, with could. a bit of a tweak and it would chart now, yeah. I reckon.
1: What Mel Kim track rocks your world?
0: Respectable. Tay, really? Tay, tay. See,
1: I'm an FLM fan. Yeah, right. FLM. I love it. Yeah. Love it.
0: I, I, I think it's because I grew up in sort of country – uh, Queensland, and the sort of biggest event in our small town every year was the show, was the um, – oh, call agricultural shows in Australia. I guess in the UK you'd call it a fair or yep. a fate and something similar oh, in the Oh, we've as spoken well.
1: about this, yes. Yeah. Fantastic. So they used yep. to
0: pump – Mel and Kim on the, the on rides. the rides, yeah. and it was just awesome. Like big fat four to the floor bass beat, and yeah. it was just fucking fantastic. Absolutely, yeah. kids screaming, throwing
1: up on the, wall, uh, yeah. on the wall. Yeah, they had it, the Dodgeham cars. Used to play it.
0: Oh, they did too. Yeah, they did. Yeah, but
1: very classic. In I remember I started going to underage discos, and this was huge. Mm. Respectable. Yeah, I mean, showing out was the first single.
0: Do you still go to underage disguise? Yes, I do. <laughs> if
1: I can get in, I certainly do. I'm only twelve. Yeah, I'm a guy and I'm a baby. Um, cause countdown, the countdown dancers there for a while were doing things with Molly. Yeah. And the dancers had got a bit skanky after okay. a while. Yes. There was a couple of Jason Donovan lookalikes and you'll know what I'm talking about. Anyone that's watched Countdown, the couple of Jason Donovan lookalikes and they used to get up and dance at these, I think it was in Caulfield. What was the name of that venue? Derbies? Might have been Derbies or Derbies or something. And right. this song had come on and I used to love the song and this was way before we'd seen the that. Yeah. We used to hear the songs way before because it was high energy. Yeah. You went to high energy discotheques when you were little. Yeah. And we were hearing stuff that would come out a year later.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah.
1: But isn't it funny how everyone thought Stock Aiken and Waterman? Was shit music, and we're still talking about it today.
0: Yeah, but the thing is, I guess, I guess when you become the cliche, that's when it's like there's a bit of a cringe against it. Like when yeah. you come from nothing yeah. and you become the cliche, everyone's like, you know, yeah. oh mate. But like this, their stats like stand for themselves.
1: And a lot of their artists are still touring.
0: Absolutely, oh, still mate. working. They they would have you had know? so many. I mean, you think of. You know, in the 80s it was a fantastic thing. You only had to have sort of one hit yeah, and you could have a career that touring for the rest of your life pretty totally. much. Because yeah. people of that age group, yeah. you know, just love that song and they sit through everything else that you've ever done yeah. just to get to that. These guys, they were – a lot of them were unknowns. A lot of the uh, Stock Aitken and Waterman art- uh, artists were unknowns. Exactly. And they've got like sort of, you know – three,
1: four, five, six uh, hits under their belt. And still touring. Yeah. Like internationally. Yeah. So I liked the artists that only had the real one hit with Stock Aiken.
0: So what was your sort of big Stock Aiken, Waterman? Pepsi and Shirley. Oh, bullshit. I knew it would be something. Yeah.
1: Pepsi and Shirley and Princess. Yeah. Without a doubt. Really? Yep. Far out, mate. Without a doubt. I think… Um me number 1 was the best fucking song they had yeah. and it was a different feel for them. Yeah. And I loved Pepsi and Shirley's heartache. Mm-hmm. What a fucking song.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And no one else did it I don't think. I think it was only Pepsi and Shirley's cuz sometimes right. we saw the songs regurgitated from artist to artist.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know. Now we've got some big interviews during this um during this episode. Yeah. Um and we may mention who they are before, um, but we'll go into that in a moment. We also have a special guest. She's pretending she's not here. She's so <laughs> nice and quiet as a mouse. Dallas Rayner is our one of our keyboard artists in um, Rewind 80s, which is the band that Sammy and I sing in. Yeah. Uh, based in Melbourne. but singing all throughout Australia and the world.
1: That's right. And she's going to help us do a Patreon after we record this. Yeah.
0: Dallas is a bit of an expert.
1: Just... <laughs> At, um,
0: At. Yeah. <laughs> Just can you say your name into the mic? No. Okay. Yeah, there we go. She's, as you can tell, she's way too cool for school, everyone. <laughs> she is, though. She is hot. Anyway.
1: You'd um, love it. Yeah. Let's go on to the show. And talk about the artists maybe in order to what Stock we think. Stock Aiken and yeah. is the
0: best way to do it.
1: Now, I've actually met Pete Waterman, which I think is really ah. important to say. Yes. I've been in the office in London. Yeah. And the feeling is quite unique. It's, it's when, when,
0: when you went in there, was yeah. that – End of the 80s? Was that beginning of the 90s? No, it was
1: 2000s, I think. Okay. So Peter Wilson, my friend, took me to meet Pete Waterman, uh-huh. which I was interested in. He's one of the biggest producers of the world. Oh, gosh, gotcha. Plus I had to single out with Pete Hammond and we went and had a coffee with Pete Waterman, mm. who you got to imagine is, is so rich, you know.
0: So Pete – uh, Waterman yeah. Peter Waterman yeah. um, is uh, w- was a producer, but sort of like a visionary.
1: Yeah, like he a, was the main man. Yeah, like really. an
0: impresario. Like he would bring all the people together, and he was a great sort of storyteller as well. And this is sort of like a point with this, with Stockhaken and Waterman, we, mm. with this show. It's been difficult to kind of get down to the nitty gritty yeah. of what actually happened because I guess so much sort of media release. Uh, stuff came out. It was hard to get uh, actually get down to the facts. Wasn't the it the
1: truth? We've got to be careful, yeah, because mm. you might get info from Mike Stock. You might get info from anyone that produced, and they'll tell you another story.
0: And another in, another sort of uh, slightly confusing thing: there was like five or six Peters in this situation. Oh, it
1: was the land of Pete. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very Pete popular Burns, names.
0: Yeah, Pete, Hammond, Pete Burns, Pete Hammond, Pete Waterman,
1: Waterman, Collins, Pete Collins, and your mate, Pete Wilson. Yeah. Pete Wilson puts out stuff now with that same sound. Yeah, um, but anyway, so we went for coffee, and he, look, Simon Cow calls him an arrogant pig. But if wow. I was had Simon Cow chase after me, yeah. I would be an arrogant pig as well because. Yeah. I just don't dig Simon. And he was with Sunita and that whole thing. Mm. But when I met Pete I thought he was really lovely. Mm -hmm. He loved to talk about the whole history of it. I think there was a boat cruise in Australia that Kylie and Jason, they were trying to negotiate especially for you because they both didn't want to do it so I think I heard that story and a few other things and they made really good coffee at the… Office, so I had a coffee. So were
0: they in the same – when when you would have visited the studios, was that the same studios No, they'd the, moved. Right, they'd okay. They'd moved. Because they, they was, would have been mega rich yeah, by then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So
1: I don't think it was the original office. Right. Um, But it was definitely just sort of I think underneath the London Bridge from memory. Right, okay. But he was lovely and he had a lot of time. Mm-hmm. But I think if you were trying to get – in with Pete Waterman, it wouldn't be an easy feat.
0: No, okay. I think I think sort of um, he would have had so many people approaching him all he the would time. Have just been like, Oof, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, all the time. All right. So um, we've got uh, Pete Waterman, um, obviously the sort of visionary of of this. Uh, whole situation, they would go on, he would go on to form a writing and production team referred to as Stock Aitken Waterman, Mm. was of course Mike Stock, Matt Aitken and Pete Waterman. So uh, Matt and Mike used to write a lot of the stuff, Pete used to produce it, they all used to produce it. Um, but Pete was sort of, I guess, more of the spokesman and more of the uh, instigator of the whole thing.
1: There's always got to be someone that's running the roost, I think, at or other things day. don't get done. Yeah, so, at the end of the day. Yeah, that's right. So any in any situation, in business especially, mm. Pete – would have to go, this is the next thing. or But he had a good ear as well. He wasn't just yeah. someone that hung around the office. He actually had a good ear.
0: Yeah, clearly. Um,
1: and we are going to talk about Pete Hammond and the work he did at night that a mm-hmm. lot of people didn't realise. He wasn't and,
0: a prostitute?
1: No, he wasn't. He was, he Pete Hammond used to mix really late at night and that's then right. Pete Waterman used to come in. So and he used to we work don't all know through a the lot night. Of, that's right, he did. He yeah. was the night shift guy. Mm. Um. Techno disco, Pete Waterman calls his music. Right, techno disco,
0: and it was sort of the, uh, I guess, the successor to disco, uh, wasn't it? So disco dying out. um, Yeah, it was a different. Yeah, it was like
1: high energy. Yeah, we saw Sunita's mum come out. So many men. What was her name? So many men. Michael Brown.
0: Her name was Michael Brown. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, Michael. And, and, right. and it's, I think it's Michael or Mitchell or Michael, but Hazel Dean calls her Michael in the interview. Right. So I think she was a female Michael. Okay. Well, that
0: happens, yeah. isn't it?
1: Yeah. Oh, Michael's a beautiful name for a girl, I reckon.
0: Yeah.
1: I love it. So they had over 100 top 40 hits. That's, Did they? Yeah. Over 100. Yep. Holy shit. Yeah. And uh, that's why they were called the Hit Factory.
0: Mate, they would be so rich.
1: Yeah, they, I guess they would be. I mean, but like we're going to look at now, a lot of those songs were signed to other record companies and it wasn't until PWL started where the money really started coming yes, in. Yes,
0: yeah, yeah. So PWL is slightly different to Stock and Waterman. Peter... Um, Peter Waterman basically started his own label that they would, um, you know, they would write and produce these songs and they would release them under this label PWL, which was Pete Waterman Limited.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: And I guess um, there have been... Um, famous hit factories like this throughout history. Um, but most notably this one gets compared to Motown, Motown Studios because it was sort of like a similar situation yeah. where yeah. they would write and produce the hits and, uh, you know, groups and, and um, solo artists who were largely unknown would then go on to huge success. Yeah,
1: that's right. Yeah. And it was a flavour of music that everyone saw. You knew a Stock Aitken and a Waterman That's album. That's right. You just you knew it. Had a unique sound, didn't it? As soon I? as you heard it, you went, oh, yeah, it must be a new Stock Aitken and Waterman thing. Yes. So let's start with Divine, our, yep. first, our first artist. I love Divine. Yeah. Love Divine. I think it was such a risk to put someone like Divine out yeah. on the TV with an album.
0: Yeah. Now Divine was a big bloody six foot two yeah. drag queen. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Rhythmia? Very big, very six foot something, yeah. American. American, that's right. Harris Glenn misted Miss I think it is. Right. But not only that, she was a movie star.
0: That's right. So she'd
1: done so many movies. And my favourite movie would have to be Polyester. Yes. Where she plays Francine Fishpaw. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. I sat here the other night and watched it. Um, and Divine died March the 7th, 1988. So did you like Divine, honey? You you would have been young, though, when Divine came out, yeah? In
0: retrospect, I liked Divine. Yeah. I would have been a bit young. Yeah. And I mean, kind of, look, my, my dad was quite threatened generally by 80s artists. <laughs> I think he would have seen the Adam's apple on Divine kind of quickly, you know, swiftly turn the TV off.
1: Yeah. Well, Divine yeah. was the one that changed it all because yeah. – no one had put someone out like that that was, you know.
0: And I reckon Divine might have, Divine and sort of, um, you know, aiming for that sort of... Oh, I guess, uh, gay market. But Be- before there was even a gay market, they weren't even trying trying to appeal to the gay market necessarily. No, they no that's there right. There was no gay market yeah. as we know it well, now. Divine
1: was performing in the gay bars. Yeah, that's but true. But it still doesn't mean they aimed for that. Do you yeah. reckon they would have? I don't reckon they would have.
0: I don't. Th- but there, there wouldn't have been. A gay market as we know it today. It, they would have been just like making an awesome disco track. That's and, right. And as we know it, the, the best dance music starts in the gay clubs.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: What, whatever plays in the gay clubs, mm. a year or two later will be playing in the straight clubs and people think they've discovered it for the first time, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, see, the clubs in those days, there was no real – If you if, if you were straight in those days, you wouldn't go to a gay bar. No, this is just like now when we mix together. Yeah. But in the early eighties, mm. it was a whole different scene.
0: Yeah. So it might you would yeah. have never heard it. Yeah. Never heard this unless
1: stuff. you went to a woggy kind of an area, <laughs> like Greek or Italian in Dandenong. Yeah. You heard all this shit. Yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: Well, they just love good music, didn't they? And this is the thing. This is the thing. Bloody high
1: energy sort of broke the boundaries.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: With, with the stereotypes. Yeah. But um. I remember being little and not even thinking myself, "What's this all about?" Yeah, I just love yeah. the music. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. but if it wasn't for Stock Aitken and Waterman, we would. I, I think that was such a comfortable thing for kids to come out of the closet too and Mm. be themselves too. Yeah. And that's what was so great about Socket and And It gave these kids a way to express themselves. Yeah. And then later on the housewives got involved, you know.
0: Yeah, that's right. Because it is quite a camp vibe. Totally. Um, um, Stock Aiken and Waterman. And it would have really, when it became hugely popular, that would have been extremely empowering to those kids.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: For so, sure. Um, yeah. What I was sort of, I guess, trying to say is having your first, uh, you know, big successful artist in Divine, mm. that would have set a bit of a tone. Um pun intended. Like the you know, the the sound having 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 this sort of enormous drag queen as as your were they aware of it, you mean? I don't know. I think it just happened. I reckon so it just happened. I reckon so
1: too. I think they did go through a lot of the clubs and check out things, but I don't think they would have known how much this would have helped the gay scene. Yeah. Because we go from there to a whole lot of other artists that were as camp as and we yeah. love them, you know.
0: So um, you think you're a man? Think
1: Is you're a man but you're only a boy, yeah. That's so right. So I personally, I remember seeing this video when I was little mm. and I didn't even question it. Yeah. I was just like, oh, whatever, that's cool. Oh, okay. You know. Yep. Um, it was a good dance track and, and then eventually I got into his movies and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, but – John Waters, of course. Yeah, number 16 in the UK, you think. And you know what? It went to something like number eight or nine in Australia. Yeah, no, Aussies loved it. Yeah. Aussies loved it. So 16 in the UK and then like eight or nine in Australia. Yeah, Divine I think actually came out and performed on Countdown. Yeah, right. I think he did. Mm. I Mm. think and he did both of his singles.
0: Yeah. And you know, we think sort of RuPaul's a big groundbreaker, but like oh. Divine was. Sort I mean, RuPaul definitely
1: is, time. but in the eighties, Divine and mm. Boy George and all yeah. those people.
2: Yeah. Marilyn. Yeah, yeah you Marilyn, know, Marilyn yeah. was hot. Yeah.
1: Um But I think that was a really, really brave move. Yeah. I mean, they did have um the first single they recorded was Agents Aren't Airplanes, The Upstroke, which was sort of based on um um, Frankie goes to Hollywood, relax.
0: That's right. So they yeah. did
1: know a little bit about that scene. Mm, so I mm. guess maybe it might have been a target. Who knows? Yeah. But whatever, it worked.
0: Stock Stock and Aitken bought that. That was the that was the sort of that was the track that bought them together as a trio. Yeah. Um, yeah, that sort of, yeah, that was, yeah, yeah, that was the sort of, that's what launched them as a trio, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's right. I don't think it did much. So,
0: so, uh, Divine With You Think You're a Man was released in, uh, July 84. Yeah. And very soon after,
1: Sammy. That's right.
0: Very soon after.
1: Now I think, yeah, keep going.
0: Very soon after they they um, uh, released another track. This was the first hit that they wrote and produced. So this is uh, um, "You Think You're a Man" was written by a guy called Jeff Dean. Yeah, who would go on to write "Kinky Boots" the musical. Wow. He,
1: he wrote That's
0: the. Sorry, he wrote the uh, the movie. Oh the yeah. Movie. yeah. Which would then be adapted into a stage musical later.
1: Which Cindy Lauper wrote the music to, yeah? yeah. Yeah,
0: and you know what? That was on. That um, premiere was on when I was in New York, and oh, we didn't no. fucking go. But look, this—you go to ah. New York, and there's just so much to happening. See,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: and and I remember because um, you could see from our hotel um, the lineup for Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. The lineup for Hamilton. We're desperately trying to get into that. And then at this other little um, theater on the other side, you could see kinky boots. We're like, what's that big boot? What yeah, out? Yeah, yeah. Kinky boots.
1: yeah. Oh, I know. When we went to London, we didn't see half the shit we should have.
0: Nah. Now we're
1: gonna have to wait five fucking years. Uh,
0: we might. We might go over and tour this.
1: We might. Who knows? <laughs> yes. Who
0: knows? We
1: might. So Hazel Dean, we're talking about, babe.
0: Hazel Dean. Now, her big hit,
1: Sammy? Whatever I Do.
0: Yeah. What a pumping track.
1: Yes. Not her first one, though. Right. But the first one for Stock Aiken, um, a- Stock-, Stock Aiken and Waterman.
0: And it was her first big hit. Not only a top ten.
1: It wasn't her first big hit, no. Oh, She wasn't had it? Searching. Right. So we've got it. That's right. Searching she did too. Searching was a, a bigger track was it? I think it was, yeah. yeah.
0: But um, this this was a top 10 hit though. Wasn't it? Oh
1: yeah, what I do was the first hit they had. It's their top first five. top 10 hit. Top 5. Yeah, number top 4. Top 5. Number Bloody 4 hell. August 84. So that was the highest and that's why we've actually got Hazel Dean live via satellite. Right? Oh.
0: This was our she was on our wish list mm. because you know she was their first hit. Yeah. Everybody that came after is sort of riding on her coattails. You know what I mean in in that sense. It's true. You know they're they sort of banking on her success, and so she she was our at the top of our wish list, and and Sammy went on to um to chat to her uh, just the other week.
1: Yeah, and we've got to remember that Hazel Dean was the song "Whatever I Do," where. Pete Burns hears this song on the radio at 10am in the morning and wants to then work with Stock Aiken and Waterman. Yeah. Which yeah. we'll bring up after the Hazel Dean interview. So Hazel Dean shitting myself to to actually interview this woman because she could sing.
0: Are we going to listen to Hazel now?
1: We're going we're gonna to do Hazel now. Right. Because I know there's people waiting to hear Hazel and we may as well give them Hazel because the next episode we've got a special guest as well.
0: Fantastic.
1: So Hazel, whatever I do, she did have searching. I talked to her about Sunita's Mother. I talked to her about searching. I talked to her about um, a lot of songs that I personally love um, that I didn't think she was asked about. I talked about her filming in Malta but we'll have a listen to it now. And see how we go.
0: Enjoy, guys. Sammy hard on interviewing Hazel Dean.
1: Joining us via satellite tonight, it's the On the 80s montage, it's the high energy queen, Hazel Dean. How are you, Hazel? Yeah, I'm um, fantastic. Thanks, Sammy. How are you doing? Uh, very well. And it's about 10 o'clock in the morning in London. It is,
2: yeah. And it's a beautiful day.
1: How are you going with the isolation thing in England? Are you all well and keeping well, fit? Well, yeah, and... I mean,
2: we're fine. Um, we're we, we sort of having structured days. Um, because I have a daughter and she's been fantastic. She's getting her schoolwork in and um you know we get up quite early through the week she starts her school work usually about now and um you know what I've got loads of things that I do um, a lot of stuff in the garden outside things that I haven't been able to do because I've never had the time so I'm doing them now so we, we, yeah we, we're doing okay uh you know we have good days we have bad days Yes.
1: I know because people people don't realise with you that you consistently tour and do gigs on the weekends, uh, you know, pride and all that stuff, and you're quite busy. So this would be really different for you to be sitting at home and getting these things done when you'd be flat out usually.
2: Well, exactly, and uh, yeah, I mean, all the shows that that um, that I've had, well, I had in for this year, like festivals, they've all been postponed till next year. Um, I have got a few um, things booked in for um, uh, later on this year, but um, whether I can do them or not, I really don't know because it's, you know, it's really risky. We don't know, that's right. You know, especially in small uh, small venues, I, I don't think it would be possible, you know, having a room full of people sort of facing towards me and coughing maybe and sneezing. Yeah, no. <laughs> And then I've got the microphone issue. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I I really don't know, my love. In some Absolutely. ways, I don't think I don't think I'll be singing till next year, quite honestly. I just don't know. Absolutely. Now, I have to
1: confess you've always been one of my favorite vocalists of no the have 80s. I? Oh, yeah. bless you. thank oh you so much. Yeah. Oh my god. Much. Absolutely. Yeah. I was a little girl. I think I was 13 when I first heard <laughs> Searching <you> <laughs> I'm uh, looking great. I'm looking a little bit older. No, um, so I was yeah, 13 I when I – Yeah, yeah. Um, when I first heard Searching in the clubs, I used to go to underage clubs. and it oh, was did you? you? Oh, yeah. And we used so. to know what a great vocalist was when we couldn't sing the song ourselves, you know. It was either yeah. too high and Searching was a big thing. Yeah. And a very well, special song.
2: I think the thing is with searching is that it's um, it, it's got quite a low verse. That's uh, right. uh, uh, but you you have to sort of stretch up for the for the chorus. When I, and I think that's what kind of when I first heard searching, uh, it, it, the chorus didn't go up. Whoever was singing it, okay. they, they didn't sort of stretch up. They sort of were down the octave, and it kind of just—I don't know. I, I love the song, but I thought no, you know, this doesn't work. So we uh, i sang out the octopus and, of course, it just came alive. That's right, because you are renowned for
1: soaring in the choruses. Yeah. Um, which <laughs> which brings me to when you finally went into the Stock Aitken and Waterman days. Tell mm-hmm. us how that came about. How did that all happen?
2: Um, well, I was on a – Searching came out <coughs> – excuse me. Searching came out on a small independent label. Over yep. here in the UK called Proto Records, so I'm sure you know. Um, and it's just, you know, it's just timing, really. Luck, timing, mm. all sorts of things. as so Joesel, it was a huge club hit all over the world, really, before it became a hit here in the UK. I, I, I think Australia. Was it a hit in 1984 there?
1: It, it was. It went to number
2: 17. But it yeah, was Yeah, well, originally in the dance I recorded clubs. it in 1983 and, That's and right. And, I mean, I was tour, you know, touring in America in 83 over here in the UK because it was such a big club here. Yeah. Um, and then we, uh, a strange thing happened. I, and funny enough, we've just had it on Saturday. We, we had the Eurovision Song Competition. Yes, yep. And uh, I had a song, one of my own songs that I wrote, called Stay In My Life, in 1984. It got in, got into the last eight of Song for Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I first met Pete Waterman because he put me together with, with a producer and um, we, uh, we did the track, Stay In My Life. It's a big ballad. And um, you can see it on YouTube, actually. And um, so we did the Eurovision, but what we decided to do is, if I didn't win Song for Europe, Searching had been deleted at that point, but there was still oh. a big demand on it. So we said, if I don't... Get this like, this song into Eurovision, then we re-release Searching, and that's exactly what we did because it didn't get in, it didn't get into uh, Eurovision. So we re-release Searching, and um, the rest is history. <laughs> so that's how I met Pete Waterman. But yeah. Um, Searching got Searching was at sitting at number six in the charts. And Ian Anthony Stevens, who um, uh, produced Searching, wasn't around at the time, and we needed a follow-up single. Um, and again, I bumped into Pete Waterman. He was doing a track at Proto Records with another band. Okay. And we got chatting. And uh, I said, you know, I'm sitting at number six, and I don't have a follow-up. And um, he said, I'll tell you what. He said, come down and meet these two guys I'm working with, which were Mike and they, at Atkin, and uh, mm-hmm. so I went down to the Marquee Studio, met them, and then again <laughs> we we came up with whatever I do, uh, which we turned around very quickly. And um, again, yeah. you know, that's that's and that's how it sort of kicked off with with uh, Stock, Aitken and Waterman, really.
1: And that was their highest charting
2: single. It was the, their first before. top five single. Yeah, the single. First.
1: Yeah. very first. Now I I did read that. The chorus was going to be "Dance Your Love Away" or something like that, and you hated it. Yes, that's it.
2: right. Um, mm. it, originally, they they sent me this song, and it was it had the, the verse as you hear it, but it had a different chorus. It was called "Dance Your Love Away," and again, it was one of those things. It just yeah. the chorus just didn't go anywhere. It was it was kind of flat. I thought it just it was flat, and, and that's because.
1: Um, yeah, because I had to listen to that today because I do remember that track in the clubs as well. I think it was by yeah. Michael Prince. I mean, it
2: was okay, yeah. but it, for me, I mean, I had Not never heard vocal. it up until that point and that was my initial reaction. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, I just said, well, I love the song, but I, I, you, the chorus just doesn't work for me, so they off they went and um, came back with Whatever I Do Chorus as we hear it now.
1: Absolutely, which is a banger of a track.
2: Oh, absolutely, yeah
1: you know and now are there any songs you like singing live
2: the um, most well i sing all the i sing all the hits you know, i do um uh, hits but i also do um other songs in my show uh i keep my songs to the 80s I have, or, or 70s 80s i think i've got um and, and a couple now i don't really sing new things because it's you know people book me because they want a bit of nostalgia they want the 80s sure so sure. I, I do my hits, and then I, I sort of add every now and again. Well, every year I review my show, and mm-hmm. um, I like to put something different in. So um, uh, that's what I do. Um, all, all the old tracks, like Searching Whatever I Do, Who's Leaving Who, um, I've, they're all um, they've all been re-recorded. I've re-recorded all of them, but they still have their original things that you like—the string lines and all the little bits and bobs that you hear. But it's mainly to do with 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 the, with the kick, with the drum, you know, bass drum and the bass mm. line, because if you listen to the old tracks, as wonderful as they are, when you when you play them live up in a, um, in a track show, they just they just don't measure up to, to the, all the new stuff that I do. Absolutely, so, um, yes, yeah. I've, yeah, so I've re-recorded. They've all been re-recorded, and um, they sound fantastic. And, yeah, I've,
1: um, I've had a look at some of your live stuff, the recent yeah. stuff, and it sounds fantastic. Yeah, it is, sure. and, I,
2: and as I say, I, I like to. Um, I, I upgrade my show every year, and I, I, you know, like at the moment I'm working. Well, I recorded it at the end of last year. Actually, I, I've recorded mm. a, um, i I've recorded a new track for, for a new opening for the show, and and um, I've got a couple of new songs. Uh, but I, again, I've, I've recorded, but unfortunately, I haven't been able to try them out live yet. But I've gotten plenty of rehearsals. <laughs>
1: I know. It's yeah. so frustrating as a performer, yes, it is. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. I just wanted to take you back to the 70s. Now, you were in bands with Trevor Horn.
2: Well, we all used to do, you know, there was a, there, back in the 70s, there was a huge masses of live music and lots of big bands and stuff. And, and I worked with Trevor Horn. In bands on many occasions, actually, you know, sitting on coaches going to various places in the UK. So, yeah, I I do know Trevor, but I have, I mean, I haven't, I did bump into him um, at one of the Let's Rocks um, that Mm -hmm. we did over here a couple of years ago. Um, But I haven't really sort of seen him properly since those days. But yes, He, he was working in some of the bands that I used to work in back in the day.
1: And were they like cover bands where you did other people's tracks or were they original? Yeah, I did a
2: lot of cover versions. I, I was also, earlier on, I, I, we would, I, I, I was in a lot of like little jazz bands, that kind of stuff. And then I got into sort to, to of big bands. And uh, yeah, so we did cover versions and, and sort of big band type music.
1: Now you did... Uh, th- so many uh, TV appearances, top of the pops, everywhere in Europe and America. How yep. many appearances do you think you did all together?
2: How many TV shows? Yeah. How many <laughs> shows do you think <laughs> you were no on? no
1: idea. No idea. I'm thinking in, no there, idea. in the hundreds. seems like hundreds, of, yeah. I mean, yeah. You
2: know, all over the place, always backwards and forwards, obviously to Europe and, you know, all yeah. over the place really.
1: Um, And I just want to, yeah, yeah, because it was just incredible. Every You look on YouTube now and it's everyone loved searching and and the vibe that happened in the studio and
2: they put the crowd behind you a lot of the time. Yeah. The weird thing is as well. I mean, I, 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 I've gone, when I've gone, on, I mean, I think I've seen mostly everything, but it's when I see things I think, oh my God, I couldn't remember. I had totally forgotten about some TVs, like little TV yeah. shows in, in Holland and places like that. And some of them are, mm. are, you know, they're really, really good.
1: Oh, they are. And just to look back at the fashion and the music yeah. and the time is oh, no. incredible. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have a do you have a, I lo- look? Did you have a, your own hairdresser because your hair was always un- incredible?
2: Yeah. Um, now, who you, I used to go to John Frieda back in in, um, oh. in those days. I think yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Of course, I'm having a real problem with my hair at the moment <laughs> Cause I can't go. Really? To, say it. Yes, because uh, I can't go to the hairdressers. So um, I know. I know. Yeah, I've had to. It's horrific. Yeah, it's not. It's not good. But I've sort of created my own little style of <laughs> working you know. on it. This <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, lovely. Yeah, it's gotten too long for,
1: for that style. <laughs> uh, I know. It's incredible. Yeah, so um, yeah, yeah the hair's not great. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. I do want to talk about my favourite video that you have done, which video? was filmed in, yeah, your video that was filmed in Malta. Oh, um, yeah. I yeah, love it's it. It's going to rain. Yeah, I love it. Tell me about that.
2: Oh, I had the best time there. I had such yeah, a lot. Right. I was with a great crew, and um, just great fun. Really, we we did because um, it had the little storyline to it, didn't it? And, it did. Um, and uh, yeah, it was. Um, it all. Some of the scenes were filmed at the, where they uh, on the film set of the Popeye movie at the time. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and and the swimming pool. We just had a laugh, really. It, it was great fun. And the and the other woman, who who you see, I go back to the, I come back to the UK. And the other woman that's standing by the pool was the makeup artist. So we all. Ah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, we had a wonderful. You- was that, I mean, we were there for a week, and I um, know. Honestly, it was like a, it was a holiday. Really, we stayed in a fabulous hotel. Yeah. Um, and we just had fun. And it
1: wasn't something you did in the 80s like go to Malta and film a video like Malta wasn't even really that popular, you know what no, I mean?
2: Malta's lovely though.
1: Oh, I could imagine.
2: Yeah, it's um, it's, it's a lovely place. It's very pretty and, and 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 just yeah, I had a fabulous time. I enjoyed Malta. It's lovely.
1: And when you did the video where you were at Heathrow when the come home. Did you have yeah, did you have many fans? How did you film that? Like, did did you have many fans around, or did they just not film really?
2: Because what um, right. did I do? It? I came back and picked up my I uh, picked up the case. That's right,
1: your own case,
2: um, by the way. I know. Well, it's meant, mm. it's meant to make me look all lonely and, and, and okay, you know,
1: yeah, sure. yeah. And unhappy and yeah. all that kind of thing. But I came yeah. back.
2: I remember I sat in the cab and all that carry-on. And then you, the, the, the next shot is me. I'm actually in the studio. I'm thinking, actually, I'm fine. I'm thinking, <laughs> so like, that's going to rain. So, so with my eyes. And, right, and, and the outfit I had on, uh, I love that coat that I wore in that studio. In
1: oh. That outfit. Yeah. And, I mean, you you sort of don't think of yourself as much as a dancer, but in today's standard, you were moving. You know what I mean? Oh, You yeah. were really I – mean, you looked fantastic.
2: Yeah. No, I could move, but uh, it's, yeah. it's like <coughs> – it's the whole dance routine thing, really, that I never – you know, I'm glad I didn't have to sort of – luckily, I didn't sort of sort of get caught up too much in that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I could move, and I did a little bit, yeah. I i still still in my show. I, I do a little – but it's more – you know, I've got, I'm really good at hand movements. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> And all right. that kind of stuff, you know, and, and I can be sort of quite dramatic as well. So, uh, yeah.
1: Fantastic. Now, who were the two guys that used to dance behind you on Top of the Pops? I heard they um, were Callie Marie's
2: boys or something. Yeah, they were actually. They, they, right, again, they okay. were really nice guys. Um, you know, I, I, I guess they were um, – People that they they guys that they hired in, as they do on top of the Pops, they, they do yeah. hire. Well, I don't know if they well, because there's no top of the Pops anymore, but yeah, no. they would hire dancers in to sort of be in with the crowd on that kind of thing. So, but yeah, again, really lovely guys, great to be with.
1: They're fantastic behind you because it's yeah, just they were good. So I great. have to say,
2: it worked really it
1: well. Looked so great. Now, yeah. your favorite artists of the 80s, who would that be? Oh my goodness! Who, did, who um, did you really dig? Who did you love? Who do you still love now?
2: Well, well, I still love. You see, I'm, I'm big into. I mean, I loved Tina Turner. I love. Mm. I'm a big Barbara Streisand fan. Um. Oh yeah, my tastes are right across the board. To be honest, yeah, I like yeah. I like a lot of the soul stuff. So, um, you know, I was always into sort of. Uh, uh, all the old soul music, and, um, I, and 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 I loved Tamla Motown when that came in, and mm-hmm. right across. The, it's hard to pin anything down, really.
1: Yeah,
2: um, because I love so much.
1: Yeah, as a vocalist, you can tell you've looked at decent singers because that's what made you a singer. You know, when you well, heard exactly, the best singers, yeah. you strive to be better than than the people you were you aspire to be, which was yeah. A fantastic thing. Um, now, I was going to say, what is coming up for you after ISO? What gigs have you got, or what singles do you have coming out?
2: Um, well, I've just—I haven't, as, it, as you know, I'm, I'm not with Energized Records anymore. But um, yep. I—I've um, just had a, um, an album out earlier on the ship. It was um, the, the, my original album with. Um, uh, Proto Records, which was called Heart First. Yep,
1: um,
2: yep. It, I, I've done some things with a company over here called Cherry Pop. Um, oh, yeah, of course. They're brilliant. And I, I have mm. to say, I mean, I did some stuff with them in, in the earlier days, but they've, they're have they really hot now. They're really, really good. They've got a great team there. And mm. uh, they they've they, we did a deluxe version of Heart First. And um, it's the package is, is stunning. It's lovely. Lots of new photos, unseen photos, and I've also written a little sort of thing about every track and, and what what it was in the studio and what it was like, and just nice little things that people like to read about every yeah. track. Um, and they've all been remastered. And luckily, um, there's a few bonus tracks on there. And Matt Pop. Who did a lot of, oh, well, most of the remixing for me when I was on Energize? Who is absolutely stunning? Incredible. He's done a fan- yeah. yeah, he's done a fantastic remix of the title track, which is called Heart First, uh, which is my one of my favourite tracks on that album. I love that song, and he's yeah. done he's done a great job on that. And um, I mean that that did chart here. That went into the official um, charts. It went it uh, went into at twenty seven. Wow, so it's 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 done quite well for them. So uh, I had that out. That all sort of happened just before lockdown, mm-hmm. um, and you know there are other things in the pipeline possibly with with them. But with with lockdown, uh, you know, I, I just it's don't difficult. know.
1: Yeah, it's that's difficult right. to
2: say. Uh, right. I mean, there's a there's a little project that might be going on with Energize with, with some very old tracks that I recorded with Ian Anthony Stevens and we were we're hoping to get Matt Pop to do a remix on them. That would be good. I think that will go down really well. So there are little bits and bobs in the pipeline, but un, until this is all over, I, I just don't really know. Mm, that's right. Absolutely. Yep. Um, Matt Pop is
1: an incredible producer. Oh, he's and- just so good. It's really so really good. fantastic and just yeah. so easygoing. In yeah. fact, because um, I was on Energized for a little while, oh yes, Sammy Paul, yeah, Sammy mm. Paul, mm. and that's where I met you at the Energized twentieth, and Matt Pop was there so as well. So were you on
2: Energise then?
1: Yeah, yeah, ah. I was. So yeah. I was only for a little while. I'd only been on it for a little while, but Matt Pop had done a lot of my production. Oh. Uh, and it was incredible. But I think they've just re-released all my stuff. I'm not sh- – I think, the, yeah, they've definitely re-released my stuff. But I was wondering whether – so is Energize going to be putting out old singles of yours again or – No, they're, they're,
2: they're, they're tracks that have never been released. Oh,
1: wow. But Ian Anthony Steve.
2: Okay. The songs that I wrote with Ian and some other bits and bobs, and they're, they're, I have to say they are good. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but I'm not, I, I mean, the thing is I don't, I'm not recording anything, but they are tracks and I, and I think it would be, I'd love to hear Matt Pop do a remix of stuff to be honest. <laughs> so that's that's fine by me. So um, Absolutely. Yeah, but I'm not actually be, I won't be recording anything else with, with, with Energize, but um, yeah, they phoned me up and I thought, actually, you know what, that's a really good idea.
1: Yeah, that's right. And you so also performed. go with that one. Absolutely. I just want to go back to when you performed at Studio 54. Oh. <laughs> I found that really interesting because that's legendary.
2: It is People, legendary, yeah. You, do I, you know what I mean? Well, i tell you about um, I was over in the States at the time uh, working anyway. I hadn't officially been asked to do Studio 54, but mm-hmm. um, a friend of mine and, and fellow artist, uh, Michael Brown, do you know Michael Brown? Yeah. Well, she was supposed to be doing the um, – uh, the Studio 54 that night and um, I, I was I, I'd actually been doing uh, this is such a funny story I'd been working mm. out in um, I can't even remember where I'd been but I'd, just outside of New York in Queens or somewhere like that you know um, and I'd come back to my hotel and uh, I, I'd just got all myself <laughs> I was all tucked up in bed yeah <laughs> and uh, and <laughs> Uh, And my uh, roadie at the time, uh, there was a knock at the door. I said, uh, Hazel, Hazel, um, Michael, but she fell ill, basically. And and, um, and said, do you fancy doing uh, a gig at whatever horrendous time in the morning? And I I thought, Studio 54. Yes, I'll do that one. Yeah, that's right. And I have to get dressed and put all the makeup on again and the whole Hazel Dean thing. And, And if I go to Studio 54, I mean, it was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. And um, I was kind of in a. Um, it was, you know, they were hanging off the ceiling. I mean, it was packed, and mm. uh, I was, I was in some kind of a. It was like a cage, and it was kind of over the audience. Oh it, wow! It was, okay, very eighties. Oh, very eighties. Yeah, it yeah. was fun. So, it, I'm, and it's a great story. So, I'm so glad I did it. <laughs> That's great. Oh,
1: it's a fantastic because in those days we started performing at two o'clock in the morning you know you would start really late
2: in the morning oh yeah and especially in america it, it was That's uh, right. i mean we used to have a thing i used to and everyone used to call it the disco nap in the afternoon so yeah, that you the, you know the nana nap <laughs> yeah but you would you'd go on at very i couldn't do that anymore but yeah it would i mean i've, I've been on at four o'clock in the morning before now so um, yeah lots of late night things Absolutely. I mean, I, I loved it at the time because you know I'd always sleep late the next day. But oh no, couldn't do it anymore. Well, I know it's. I think you
1: get to a certain time and you're like, oh, I just want to stay home. It's it yeah. I mean, too most hard. of my
2: shows are uh, you know. Uh, I mean, I love I love doing festivals and things because it's in the daytime. But mm. any I could, anything after midnight, I just could, I I couldn't do it. It's just too much.
1: Absolutely. Mm. Now, thank you so much for chatting to us on the '80s montage. Oh, you're welcome, my love. It's been a pleasure, and we have a lot of people that listen to this show from Australia. Mhm. Would you ever consider coming to Australia, or? Well,
2: you know, I'd love to come to Australia, but um, to do—I'd love to come and do some shows. But you know, it's—I've never. Well, I kind of have been invited, but it's got to be right. Yeah, sure. You know, because yeah. uh, I'm older now. I, I'm not flying to Australia to do one show and fly back. I couldn't do that physically. Yeah. It just would not be right for me. But yeah, yep. I'd love to go over,
1: but absolutely, you'd need about three or four shows.
2: <laughs> yes, I would, and I'd like you know, uh, two weeks at least. You know that kind of yeah. thing, and it just hasn't really worked out that way. But yes, because I know I've got massive, I know I've got a lot of fans over there. Yeah. Um, you so, do? So, you know, yeah, I, I, I would like to. Yeah, we'll, well, you never know. You never know. <laughs> you
1: never, <laughs> never say never.
2: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> no. Well, thank you so much for being on the 80s Montage. We so appreciate your time.
2: Well, I've loved it. Thank you for inviting me, my love.
1: And have a beautiful day today in your beautiful weather you have over there.
2: All right, my darling. Thanks a lot.
1: All right. See you later,
2: Hazel. Yeah. Bye, Sammy. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye.
2: How was
1: that? Holy shit. God. She's so lovely. So lovely.
0: That is awesome.
1: And she's been telling all her fans that she's been doing this Aussie podcast. Yeah, yeah. She does a, a thing every day with her daughter, Stevie. Yeah. And they get on Facebook and do funny things. And, mm. you know, she's so humble, Hazel Dean.
0: And Hazel, Hazel does a lot of gigs still around all the world. The, all she does the time. Um, sort of Pride Not- Week and, and Pride events and stuff yeah. all around the world. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: Because she's just a groundbreaker. Break- Yeah,
0: a ground baker A
1: ground baker A ground baker She's
0: that hot She's She's that that hot hot. She's a ground baker
1: She's ground breaker Yeah,
0: she bakes bread in the ground She does Uh, Oh,
1: I'm not going to go there Because I could go forever
0: (laughs) Hazel Dean, you did really well during that interview Thanks, babe Mm.
1: Yeah Look, I just let her talk. Yeah. No one wants to hear what I've got to say. <laughs> it was like just go for it. She's <laughs> such a pro. You know the pros from people that have no idea. Yeah. They just yeah. go yeah. and they know what to talk about.
0: Now you can imagine Pete Burns hearing Hazel Dean on the radio. Yeah. Um uh, sorry, in a club. I think it was in a club. No, it was first on the radio. Well on the radio. Yeah. He hadn't he heard was, it before. He was right he was like, right, that's that's the sort of sound and the vibe that I want to go for. That's
1: good enough for me.
0: So his management team, or Dead or Alive's uh, Dead or Alive's management team, called Stock Aitken and Waterman, called Pete Pete Waterman, yep. and said that they wanted to work with them. And so the band came in, and they weren't convinced at first. The management team weren't convinced about Stock Aitken and Waterman. They actually said to Pete Burns, like, "Oh, that's just that's mu- music for queers." Oh no, the
1: record company said that.
0: Oh, the record yeah, company Yeah, the said record
1: it. company didn't want to release it. Oh, really? The management were fine. I think they managed themselves. Oh, really? Of. Okay. I don't think it was, you know. Yeah, yeah. Pete Burns says management. It could mean his mother. Yeah, know. right, okay. They weren't that big. They were yeah. like, you know.
0: yeah. Yeah. And it sort of, it was just, they locked, they unlocked each other. So, sort of, Stock Aitken and Waterman and Dead or Alive, it was just one of those perfect combinations. Um, they must have been very easy to work with, Sammy, because they, they, um, when they when they found the artist that they wanted to collaborate with, it was just like, it would just all kind of unlock and happen, you know, between them. Happened with Mel and Kim, happened with um, uh, Kylie. I mean, they Kylie had this. Kylie was of, difficult. Well, they had their well, Kylie became like their Di- Diana yeah, Ross. Yeah, but
1: she, they didn't fucking know who Kylie was and didn't give a shit for a oh, long no, time. Oh, no, they didn't.
0: But you sort know? of the, I guess the, the creative outcome. Um, was very successful. Absolutely. You know what I mean?
1: But Pete Burns and Pete Waterman used to fight like cat and dog.
0: Oh, did they? Oh, God, I yeah. Bet.
1: He always talks about that. Is that right? Absolutely. Wow. Because Pete Burns showed him Spin Me Round, which was based mm. off a Luther of track that right. he heard, which kind of makes sense because it was sort of the same phrasing. And then the band put the music together and then they went in and Pete Burns didn't even know that that song was a hit and Pete Waterman said, that's the song, that's your number one. Yeah. And he went, oh, whatever. Yeah. You know. Then they put it together and that's when the record company said, we don't think you should do this because it's not good enough. Because
0: it was like for queers. And it's probably
1: their most successful song ever. Fucking fantastic song. And still stands up today. Yes. People fucking love it. And, you know,
0: like, for apparently being like a, you know, music for queers or whatever they said, or whatever the quote was, whenever pl- we play this with, like, Rewind 80s, blokes go off. Yeah,
1: that's right.
0: You know, yeah. like, oh, fucking spin me round. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, nowadays I think only a few songs really stick with punters where you've got to play them every week, and mm. this one is one of them. Oh, yeah. And it they don't, that, since the wedding singer, they see it in a different light. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But I did watch some stuff on Pete Burns because Pete Burns had a lot of face surgery, as we know, and everyone's going to be excited yes, to hear this.
0: Progressively?
1: Progressively. Mm-hmm. He wore that eye patch mm-hmm. because his nose was falling off and it covered the gap from where the nose was falling off. And then he was on no. stage the second time. I think it was with Pepsi and Shirley. I might be wrong. And. His face was falling apart. The Shit. first thing he did with his money that he made was get a nose job and they fucked it up.
0: Oh, no way.
1: Fucked it up royally. Oh. And
0: He should have gone to Thailand like everyone yeah, else. Yeah,
1: he should have, absolutely. <laughs> I think he went to some really good doctor as far as, I don't know, but they mm. fucked his nose. Oh. So he had a lot of problems.
0: Yeah. Um, Those jobs were big in the 80s, weren't they? They were.
1: Burns his nose. Yeah, wouldn't have I mean,
0: as he was to begin with. Yeah. He didn't need any work. Yeah. He no. was quite a striking looking he was, dude. He was
1: very trendy though to do that.
0: Yeah. And I mean he would he would eventually sort of basically um I mean these days they would say they would put they would say that he was gender fluid. I'm not sure if he ever how he identified. He he was very bloky. Like, his voice was, you know, his voice and his energy was actually very blokey. And I, I guess it wasn't until he sort of got a lot more TV fame doing Celebrity Big Brother that people were like, holy fuck, like, look at, the, look at how he looks now. Because he, he ended up looking like a chick. He, he ended up looking and like um,
1: Chloe newton John.
0: Oh, yeah, don't say that. I
1: know, but that's (laughs) – I can't stop looking at him now
0: and thinking of Chloe. Yeah. She doesn't so much now.
1: You know what I mean? I looked at him today being interviewed. I went, oh, my God, that's Olivia's kid.
0: Yeah. You know?
1: And I don't know – obviously Olivia would have based herself off Pete Burns, but I'm I'm just like you can't look any more like Chloe, especially when he had blonde hair. I'm
0: not going to agree with you, but it that's a very, very good observation.
1: Well, it's <laughs> <that's> a terrible <laughs> observation, but I just kept going. Oh my god, it's Olivia's yeah. kid. You yeah, know? yeah,
0: yeah. So, like, you know, you look at Celebrity Big Brother with with Pete Burns, and yeah. he's he sort of talks like Ringo Starr. He's got that sort of yeah. Liverpudlian liver ap- accent. And he's quite blokey. He's so so
1: compelling in that way. Well, he was married to a woman, ah,
0: but yeah, he was so fucking
1: was the drummer at the yeah, same time. They yeah. went. They would have a three time relationship. Steve Coy, he was fucking him. Yeah, the drummer who was yeah. gorgeous. Steve Coy was beautiful. Yeah, and he was married to yeah. a woman. Yeah. They separated eventually. And so it
0: was th- Oscar Wilde.
1: Yeah.
0: Jesus, um, that's not.
1: But yeah. basically… Uh,
0: Dallas just showed me a photo of him and it's not all altogether flat.
1: Flat tree. <laughs> Yeah. did you see? Poor darling. Yeah. But he did – he released that song a few times.
0: Massive, massive hit. He used to release this every year for bloody the next 20 years.
1: Yeah, I don't know if he did every year, every eight years maybe. No, oh, yeah. But he… um he wrote the song and that's all that matters because yeah. it would have made him a fucking fortune. Oh, God, yeah. You know? Yeah. An absolute fortune. But good old Dead or Alive. I loved – I actually think Spin Me Around is probably my least favourite of their tracks.
0: Really? God, yeah. What's your favourite of theirs?
1: Um, uh, Brand New Lover. Oh. Love Brand New Lover. I love – because I had their VH live tape, VHS oh, yeah. live thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's when he was just so good live. Mm. Like they were quite a good band live because they were a band before they became uh, part of the stable. And the he would factory. do
0: actually, I mean, for a band, he did a hell of a lot of appearances just him yeah. singing. You yeah.
1: Know, which, yeah. Wouldn't,
0: which wouldn't have set well with me as a singer if I was part of a band. I wouldn't have done
1: that. Oh, he loved it.
0: Um, I guess my favourite alternative to Spin Me Around would be... Um, there's something in my yes yeah.
1: yeah. And they did a version of That's The Way I Like It, which I don't oh, mind either. That's right. I don't mind that, but mm. um, I think there was better songs than Spin Me Around.
0: Now, were Pete and uh, Boy George mates at all? They
1: were kind of mates, but not really. They admired each other, but Pete Burns would see Boy George in a nightclub and tell him he'd stolen his look. Oh, right. And George would just piss himself laughing. Yeah. So when he died, um, they interviewed boy George, and boy George was fine with it, but he did mention that he was very catty. Yeah. Which boy George is anyway oh, as well. How exciting. Yeah. They would have been like cats.
0: Yeah. Will you imagine like kind of breaking ground and being so popular and in competition with each other? It would have been like. And
1: all pissed as well. And they all went clubbing for years together. Yeah. Because all the all the all the strange people went to the one club, you Yeah. Know? But yeah. this one was an American top twenty hit as well, uh, which was Spin Me Round, mm-hmm. which was pretty good for Stock Aiken and Waterman as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but I've I mean, Dead or Alive, amazing. Yes. Yes. Still a fucking one. huge song.
0: First number one.
1: Yes. Yes. First there number we go. one. go. there he is. And incredible. Lynn was Pete's wife's name. Yeah. Lynn Corlett. And she was always in photos with him. Yeah. He'd smash hits. He'd have her hit her, her, him, and the husband. Yeah. Steve Coy would be in the back, and we'd always think, oh, I wonder if they're all banging each other. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Love yep. it. But that was the 80s, wasn't it?
0: Yep. Now. Um, they would have this mass- massive success with Dead, Dead or Alive. And then for a couple of years, for good old Stock Haken and Waterman, surprisingly it was like, you know, a little bit tough.
1: It was. A bit tough. It was a bit until my girl came along.
0: That's right. Take Princess. it away, baby.
1: Princess. Princess. What's her real name? Desiree Heslop. Right. I think it's Heslon. You can
0: see why she went for princess.
1: Well, her brother wanted to call her princess because there was a royal family.
0: That's right. There
1: was no princess.
0: That's right. There was queen. There was prince.
1: And king. Yeah, king. King was the name of the band. King was the name of the band? Yeah. King was the guy. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, there was king. That's where my heart runs on now. Love and pride. I know what I'll That's, be playing in the car Yeah, on the King's way home. good. Okay. Love and pride. What, British? British, yeah. Is so they right? had no princess.
0: The dirty bastard.
1: But King, oh, you'll remember him. Okay. Because he had kind of black hair and a pointy face and right. he used to wear be, suits.
0: Features that. No,
1: he's got a really unique look. <laughs> yeah, and he used yeah. to wear Doc Martens, I think. From, right. But, yeah. So King was around, obviously not Stuck in a can and a Waterman, but... Um, Princess, and Pete Waterman didn't really want to call her Princess. She didn't want to be called Princess. Because he said it was a dog's yeah. name, didn't he? Princess. Yeah. Which it is, really. It is. Princess. Yeah. But good call by the brother. Yeah. Because she brought out Say I'm Your Number One. And she is, besides Hazel Dean, my probably second favourite vocalist. Yeah. See,
0: Yeah. You must have been a massive Stock Aiken and Waterman fan.
1: No, I just saw it all. I oh lived shit. it. I lived okay. it. It was in yeah. the charts all the time.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So
1: 1984, I was 14. I'm just like soaking this shit yeah, up. Yeah,
0: yeah, right. But
1: Say I'm Your Number One did not sound like Stock Aiken and Waterman. Mm. It sounded like something from another producer. Yeah. Because I remember thinking, God, this song's great. Because it mm-hmm. had an R&B feel. It was the first time they really changed their Roof, yeah, um, yeah, and she could sing, yeah, she could sing as yep. well. Um, she was in, I think she was one of the there was a band called the Three Degrees um, that came out, and I think she was the backing vocalist of that band. And mm-hmm. then they decided to do Say I'm Your Number One, which they were going to give to DC Lee. Mm. DC Lee was in the Style Council, yes. And she sang See the Day. She had a hit with See the Day. Yep. And then they were going to give it to Buck's Fears, our mates, Buck's Fears. Oh, yeah. But, well, that's what um, Desiree says. But uh, the Three Degrees, The Heaven I Need was the track. And Desiree comes out and they're like, do you want to do this? same in number one. And Pete uh, Pete Waterman said, this is a hit. It's amazing. Oh, wow. So that was sort of the next big thing they did. Yeah. But we never really heard much else from Princess. I mean, we did, but it didn't do mm. anything.
0: Yeah, yeah. You never know what goes on in people's life, you know. Some Sometimes people um, are happy sort of reaching a point of success. Not everyone likes fame when they get there. Yeah,
1: yeah. She's still mm. singing around, though. Is she? Yeah, we've just watched a video before. Yeah, She's yeah. She's still doing the traps, but... Mm. Um, I just think it was an in and out thing. Ah, yeah. How would it be though? You're running a record company and you've got a million people ringing you to be on your record label. Yeah. And it would be like that. Next, 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 number one, next. You know what I mean?
0: So um, what's his name? Uh, Pete Hammond who was their key um, mixing engineer who was, you know, um, who did all the overdubs and stuff for Stock Aiken and Waterman for years. Yeah. He was working every single – like six nights a week or something, wasn't he? Yeah. Every single night. Yeah. So he'd sort of get there at about like 10 or 11 p.m. Yeah. And mix right through till about 4 a.m. And he'd have a bit of a break between 4 and 6. And then he'd um, sort of get stuff ready to play for uh, Pete Waterman first thing in the morning at at sort of 8.30. And Pete Waterman was living like in a a storeroom. (laughs) Um, in the actual studios, yeah. So you know, just just to sort of, I guess, be in all amongst it, and also sort of to, to keep the cost down and everything. They would have just been pouring everything, oh, of course, into um, yeah. producing all these amazing tracks.
1: Yeah, he certainly doesn't anymore.
0: Yeah. So, um, um, should we have a little look at a one dick wonder?
1: Yeah. Yes. Let's do it. One Dick Wonder coming up.
0: So a One Dick Wonder, we're going to explain to people joining us for the first time. (laughs) That's right. A One Dick Wonder is a one-hit wonder where they've basically, um, you don't don't have to have a dick. Yeah. You can have had a dick inside you.
1: Yes. It's not actually about the penis in the end. It's a play on words. It
0: It does help if the person is a bit of a dick.
1: That's right. So they're a bit of a dick.
0: Yeah. It's
1: sort of like if you, in a
0: way, if you've had a little success and you've squandered it like a dick. You with me?
1: Yeah. you with That's right. And this band definitely did that. This band.
0: Okay, so this was a bunch of brothers, I believe. Oh. Um, And they were from the UK. They were produced by Peter Waterman. They were mixed by Pete Hammond. The reason why we... Choose this one is to mention Pete. Um, this is a great track, though. Yeah, it is. This is it a is a great, great track. <laughs> it's
1: a great stoner track.
0: Yeah, past the duchy, past the duchy, and the left hand stay. The
1: the duchy, on the the uh,
0: so the duchy, the the
1: the 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 the
0: I play this song at school. Really? And I probably shouldn't. You fucking no shouldn't. Isn't it about drugs? Well, it is. Past the duchy. Duchy being like a reference to Amsterdam and smoking weed. Of course pa- it is. Past, past the joint to oh, the left hand side. Did you do side. this
1: in your drama class?
0: No, just when I'm on like yard duty with the kids, because I carry around like a little stezza, like a little, um, uh, you know,
1: Who says like a little speaker in your school. Huh? I don't think everyone says Stezza. Yeah, That's they ridiculous. Do.
0: They do. It's fucking. Uh, is you it. it
1: nah, no, I've no, never it heard Stezza. It S- must Deza. be a
0: Queensland thing then.
1: Maybe. Yeah. Must 1982, be a it thing. comes from anyway.
0: Okay, so 1982. So this is sort of pre, you know, Hit Factory, Stock and Waterman period. Yeah. Um, was written by, I don't know. And it was um, produced by Pete Waterman. This was Pete Hammond's. Pete Hammond's first number one. This, this, um, this was the first track that Pete Hammond mixed that went to number one. It's a good track. Um, and the the band Musical Youth. Musical Youth. They were all uh, brothers, and they were so so excited. Pete talks about in his book, um, "Get Down Here and Mix Yourself a Hit." Yep. He talks about the day that this went number one. And he said how, um, you know, if you have stuff that's floating in and around the charts, you get a bit of an insight into um, charts before they're actually announced. And he was working with these guys after they had released a single. He drove into the studio, was going to be meeting, and you know they were little boys, yeah. you know, like they were sort yeah. of um, prepubescent Singing in the about teens and fucking stuff.
1: getting stoned. Yeah, pretty See, much. So this is the eighties, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Wow. Brilliant. But it was very kind of very edgy, London, and and it's something that I I brought up with Pete when I was chatting to him. You can't put this song. Next to say, Mel and Kim respectable. No, um, no, you can't. Yeah, and sort of Pete. Pete did. Look, um, not,
1: not unless you want to freak someone out.
0: That's right. Yeah, it's
1: very stone.
0: Yeah, in the in the kind of um, elevator going down to hell, <laughs> you would play the two songs. <laughs> you would play these two songs back to back on on a loop.
1: That's right.
0: So anyway, look, great song. They didn't really have a follow up no. success. So this I don't and I, think because they I think, did. I think sort of after Pete's success Pete Hammond um is is af, you know after this he he was really poached by Stock Aitken and Waterman to to come on more on a full-time basis so he wouldn't have had too much time for uh mixing uh reggae and ska artists um which he he was known Pete for Pete Hammond
1: loves reggae though
0: Yeah he does loves it's huge it. in England Yeah Loves yeah, it. Yeah. He's
1: always wanted me to do a reggae song. I do song. too. It's yeah. my
0: favorite musical genre. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. No, no, I fucking love it, mate. Yeah. It is magic. Yeah. It's magic. Closely it, it depends followed by jazz. What I'm on. Yeah.
1: I have to say.
0: Mm. Okay, we get to the fucking bottom of things, yes. and this, Dallas this is comes why we've got us, here right. because she's like the oracle. She knows stuff about things. Yeah. And it was a cover. Yeah. Past the coochie. Past the coochie. I saw it was
1: a cover. Fuck these poor little they changed pricks. changed the lyrics up to sort of make it sound more clean and respectable because there's a bunch of children singing so, you know, it can't really sound like it's about drugs because it's sort of, you know, moderately uncool even for the 80s. So they changed it to Dutchy, meaning Dutch oven. But it makes no sense. No. this just fucking stupid. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah.
0: drugs. that's amazing. It was about drugs. Oh, was about drugs. There we, we go.
1: We did this song in our music trivia show at Revolver and Batesy brought Fucking three huge pieces of paper and put them in cigar type things, <laughs> and then tape them up and put fucking baby powder down there. And then we had African hats on with the fake. And dreads. you're pretending you're smoking. And then a we big went Dutchie. and blew it all out. It brought the house down. The <laughs> baby powder went flying. That was the shit. Batesy would think oh, of just shit. so creative.
0: Fucking hell, you'd get sued these days. You
1: would. We get um, sued.
0: All right, so what do we say to our one dick wonder?
1: Nice Best one, one dick.
0: dick. All right. It's good, isn't it, Dallas? So, um, all right. So, Sammy, should we talk about – have we talked about Princess? we Have yeah, we talked about Sunita?
1: About Bridget- well, Sunita, uh,
0: if we have to.
1: I think Sunita – I like Sunita. She was Let's have a look at faith. Sunita.
0: We might go to a – have a little break and then we'll come back and talk about fucking –
1: well, Sunita, I think. No Kim. Yeah. Hey? Okay.
0: Okay. Sunita, tell me about it.
1: Because we just did one Dick Wonder, didn't we? Yeah. Yep.
0: Cool. It, yeah. That was. Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. We don't want to go on a break yet. Yeah?
0: No, no. Okay. We'll talk about Sunita yeah. and then fucking. You All know. right.
1: Sunita. Sunita's mum was a very famous very high organized. energy artist. And Michael Brown. That's how Hazel pronounces her name. I couldn't quite hear because we were ringing. This is
0: Sunita's mum. Sunita's
1: mum. So she had um, so many men, which was huge in the clubs, high energy clubs. And she looks exactly like her mum, Sunita. Yeah. Fantastic track. I think it's probably better than anything Sunita brought out, to tell you the truth.
0: Sammy, tell me, what drugs were they taking?
1: Everything. It was the eighties.
0: Yeah, but in the mid eighties, was it speed? Oh, wouldn't have been like ecstasy? I don't know,
1: babe, because I wasn't. Yeah, taking drugs. I yeah. was only. I was too young for that. Right. But I knew, in the underage. Dallas, see, we what didn't drugs do, drugs do it.
0: Were they
2: well, I do know.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I was also too young for it, so I can't admit to it. So continue. Right. Well, the thing is, when we went to blue lights, it was about the music. Yeah. The drug thing came in later. Yeah. Because no one could afford them. Hang on a second. So you're telling me that you did not smoke joints at the back of the Blue Light Disco? No, I didn't. Holy we could sh- never afford it. Oh. It was really expensive. And I wasn't into it. Oh. Because I got the vibe <laughs> off the music. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. I think it might have been, oh, uh, I don't know.
2: Speed with the Maybe speed.
1: Energy? Maybe. Maybe speed. Was it? Yeah, everything was expensive. Yeah. If you were a club owner, you could, like, pay for it. Yeah. But if you were working in a club, very rarely. Mm. It's only now that it's as cheap as chips, you know. Yeah. But I remember not everyone could afford it. But I just, we, we, you know, we smoked cigarettes in those days. Yeah. It was like, do you want to smoke? Do you want to smoke? You know what I
0: mean? Yeah. Um, And you could smoke. You were smoking in the clubs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Not the underage ones. Oh, no. But actually, maybe we did. Maybe we did. Because I remember having. Well, I remember having a Coca Cola. Jesus. I picked it up because I was really poor and I didn't have any money for a drink. I picked it up and I had a swig, and it had cigarette butts in it. They come running oh, down my face, Jesus. and my girlfriend, Antoinetta, <laughs> was on the floor rolling, laughing <laughs> about me having ciggies coming out of the side of my mouth, rolling, laughing, like uh. could not believe it. So maybe we went to a over eighteen somewhere. Yeah, right. that happened. Okay. <laughs> but going on to Sunita, she was banging Simon Cowell, right? Were they banging? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. He was. He
0: makes my skin crawl.
1: Yeah. Well, he made Pete Waterman's skin crawl as well. Yeah. He was a hanger around her. Sign, Sunita, sign, Sunita. Yeah. You know. I would have mentioned the mother if I wanted Sunita signed because the mother was legendary. Yeah. You know, she was everywhere Mm. and she was doing Studio 54. Now, did Simon even fucking have the brains to tell him that? Mm. I bet he didn't, Yeah, right? Because Simon wants to do it Simon's way. But he talks about it and he said he was really arrogant, but I really think Simon's arrogant and that's cool, you know.
0: Simon just wouldn't have liked meeting somebody that said no to him.
1: Exactly. And he wants to think he's at that level, and he was nowhere near. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Now we know Simon Cowell. In those days, we didn't know him. Yeah. So Sunita did Toy Boy, "He's My Toy Boy," all that stuff.
0: Now Sunita was in the, she was in the tabloids for for something, was it Sunita had sort of didn't she, she had some kind of fame, didn't she, before being a um, singer?
1: Yeah, I don't know what it is. Yeah? I don't know what it is actually. I have no yeah. idea. Maybe she released something with – because I think they released under Simon Cowell's record company anyway. Oh, yes. So right. this is why she was a little bit of a we're right. not making any money. Okay. Because Simon wrapped it into his record label.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which
1: any smart ass would do. You know, you'd do that. but
0: And it was just the sort of um, stroke of genius where Simon was knocking on the door, knocking on the door, no, no, no. She was
1: in the paper and St. Pete Waterman saw her, I yes, think. That's yes, yes. That's right. She was
0: in the paper. And I can't remember what she, it was. She was going out with a younger guy and, I mean, he would have been like one or two years younger <laughs> or something and they had a big headline saying, Sunita's Toy Boy. And Pete Waterman was like, oh, my
1: God, there's your title. So He did that a lot. Yeah. He used to see things in the media or he had a radio show and I know that with Sonia, um, with the radio show, he had a little girl ring up and say, can you play this song for me? I'm heartbroken. Um, and Sonia ended up getting this song and I can't remember the name of the song. Anyway, so Pete would hear things and remember them and then write songs about them. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. um, Which was always amazing. So, yeah, that's interesting how he remembers all this stuff as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He's obviously into sort of fate and destiny and that kind of thing. And, um,
1: yeah, so Sunita and Simon Cowell, there you go. (laughs) So, they eventually I think Sunita got that off her own back but it went under Simon's record company. Yeah. Yeah. she wasn't my favourite. She looks incredible now, though. I, yeah. d- I nearly met her in England.
0: Did Sunita do a cover years later of that? Yeah.
1: Oh, right, yes, yes, oh, yes, my yes.
0: Yeah. 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 She did. All right, nice one. Sunita, we're going to go to a little ad break now, I think. Yep. Um, we've got a great ad for you. Which is the first one?
1: Aren't we doing the gobbly?
0: Oh, okay. Gobblecock? Okay, let's do that.
1: Gobblecock.
0: Does anyone out there remember the gobbledock?
1: I'm sure they will when they hear it. Yeah,
0: Aussies would. Uh, The gobbledock was the sort of mascot of, uh, was it
1: Smith's Crisps? Yep.
0: It was Smith's Crisps. Um, Yeah, chips in Australia we call them. We don't call them fucking crisps. Um, Anyway, so um, enjoy the first appearance of the gobbledock in the Smith's Crisps. Enjoy ad break. Grab yourself a drink. We will too.
2: This is a Gobbledock. He comes from Doc, the potato planet, and lives solely on fresh potato crisps, crisps with real potato taste. He warned, Gobbledocks love Smiths, especially the new packs with a special seal of freshness that keeps Smiths even fresher and tastier. From now on, Best lock up your space in case of gobbledocks.
0: <laughs> hey, did you like the gobbledoc? The gobbledock. We're going to go to the drive-in soon and, and um, see if we can bust some people having a bit of a gobbledoc.
1: Yes. Aren't we? Absolutely. <laughs> We've decided we're going to go to the drive-ins for our Patreon episode. Yeah,
0: we're doing a Patreon episode where we go to the drive-in when people are watching an 80s movie and just going to be – Doing a couple of uh, interviews with, uh, uh, you know, bogan's and just people walking past. Yeah. Try to um, try to persuade them to come into the back of the panel van. Maybe. Yeah.
1: I'm sure they will. not So there's
0: there's a reason to come on board as a patron.
1: Yes. Patron. 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 Hmm. Absolutely. So we've got Mel and Kim next.
0: Mel and Your Kim. Your fave. We're going to wrap up with Mel and Kim. And you know what, guys? This is going to be a double episode. It is. So I'm sure you're, you're expecting some other big names from Stock Aitken and Waterman. But look, we have so much to talk about. We're going to break this up and we're going to pick it up with those guys in episode two of our Stock Aitken and Waterman special. Ball. Special, special, So this, um, the guys we're talking about right now, we're going to wrap up this show with is Mel
1: and Kim. Mm. They were sisters,
0: weren't they, Sammy? Mm -hmm. Yeah? They were. Yeah, Melanie and Kim.
1: Melanie and Kim. Now, Melanie uh, used to get her little tits out as well. They were big tits. Oh. She was a page three girl. It was a bit of a scandal, wasn't it? Yeah. She did like, I do vaguely remember that too. Yeah. um, Where she was a bit of a page three girl.
0: And they were absolutely gorgeous girls, weren't yeah, they? Yeah. And their whole image was very fashion forward. They used to look like sort of Milan, you, you know, they used Paris. to look like European sort of fashion yeah. models. But, you know, like they'd start talking and it'd be yeah, like, Yeah, they would. Ev- ev- be. Yeah, everyone's gonna, everyone in the UK is going to be laughing at my yeah. um, bit, of, bit of cockney there. But yeah, they, they were quite um, common.
1: Yeah, just, yeah, just yeah. normal Common. kids.
0: Yeah, normal kids.
1: And they were every kids. Every day. The 18 and 21 or something. Were time they? Babies. Fuck. Yeah.
0: And they were sort of uh, largely unknown as well. They didn't sort of uh, really have any previous chart success. No. no yeah. No,
1: nothing. Because it
0: was, I, I guess, part of the Stock Aitken and Waterman experiments as well that they, they wanted to see if they could, you know. Yeah,
1: they, they, they did get off on it a bit. Yeah. 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 It, I call it their um, – What do I call it again?
0: Genius. What and do Aaron
1: spelling moment.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Where <laughs> yeah. it's
1: like, hmm, Sonia, redhead, not too attractive. Yeah. Maybe we can get her a hit going, right? Yeah. It yeah. happened, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not that I don't like Sonia, I know people are going to be going Sonia, Sonia. But let's face it, kids, she wouldn't get anywhere nowadays.
0: <laughs> not with red hair. No. No. And no freckles. Joking. Yeah, joking with that. But uh, we all know what we think. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so, um, so, Melanchim, Kim, gorgeous chicks. Gorgeous. Sort of, they, they had a, a sort of um, mixed origin appearance. You, you may say they're very, very exotic. You know.
2: Exotic.
1: Yeah,
0: exotic. Um, so they had their first big hit, Sammy. Yeah. Was respectable. Showing out. Showing out. Showing out. Shown out. Showing out din Yeah Is that it? <laughs> 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 Get
1: yeah. fresh at the weekend it's Showing d- out d- d- Then your part comes in, yeah Perfect yeah. Yeah. I had to <laughs> think Because yeah. you don't know, you know what I mean? Mm, I was mm. listening back to one of our episodes on um, Duran Duran yeah. And we were talking about the No Ordinary World mm. And you're singing Come Undone like yes. talking about it with the wrong lyrics. And so it was like, oh. oh, my God, so I had to check.
0: Oh, yeah. I was no. like, oh.
1: And then it was okay, though, because we didn't realise
0: yeah, at the time. Yeah, 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 Because yeah, yeah. some
1: songs are so close. Yeah, they do. You go, oh, is that well, the same often song? they're sort of uh,
0: they're, they're, um, written and mixed and released so closely together. Yeah. Definitely they would have been a, a pastiche of each other, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah and they do – clearly the songs off this album – go very well together you yeah. know they're very easily mega mixable mega mixable
1: and they were written for their personalities as well yeah showing out
0: so was the album called FLM or was that another was that another um single
1: no flm was a single another but single. the album was FLM i think yeah
0: so FLM um you know on the book stands for fun love and money that's right but it actually came from ...a bit of a saying around the Stock Aitken and Waterman offices... ...which was fucking lovely, mate. Oh,
1: wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. No, I like Mel and Kim's album. And these guys... ...we were hearing these tracks years before they came out.
0: Yeah. Well, no, yeah. not
1: years. Maybe a year. Yeah, right, right. You know, they were, they were playing in the clubs and stuff and they, I, I guess... ...we wanted to know who the artist was because we hadn't seen the videos yet. Mm. So when we saw the videos, it was a really nice surprise... ...to see two hot chicks doing dance routines.
0: Yeah. And they could move. Yeah. they, They weren't like, you know... Bursting all the b- veins in their forehead Like doing You know when you watch Gaga And it's like
1: Oh yeah. okay Just come back 5% Yeah yeah 15% less Yeah yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> And I was like D-d-d-d-d-d-d-d. These yeah. guys were not trying no. Trying too hard No You know they were fucking Busting moves Easily Yeah You know They they were really really fucking cool yeah. I, used to, I loved Mel and Kim I'm going to listen to them on the way home Yeah Again But um, look Mel and Kim segue beautifully into our next episode. So um, given our little timestamp, Sammy, we might, we might wrap it up and maybe do a couple of shout-outs and fucking move, move towards uh, episode two of the Stock Aitken Waterman special.
1: All right. You don't want to talk about respectable... Respectable.
0: Yeah. Um, Respectable, right. So So that was
1: written for them as well.
0: That was written for them. And they loved
1: that when it was written for them.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: March 87, it went number one.
0: Because all the songs were to sort of showcase that they were were fairly tough, chicks with a fair bit of attitude, you know. So all their songs were to reflect that.
1: Yeah, well – They hung around the studio a lot and they Mm. got to know them. Yeah. And they were just fun chicks. They
0: would have been a lot of fun.
1: You know, and um, Showing Out was written for them. That went number three. You know, you see, October. It. Right. But Respectable was the one. And I remember that coming out.
0: Yeah, gotcha. Like,
1: yeah. Yeah. tea, like you said on the rides and stuff. Yeah. And, um, yeah. It was at all the blue lights. It was probably played in every club in the world.
0: Now, people before, you know, when they first heard this and you weren't able to like look on the internet to say, you know, what's that song? And 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 um, and followed up. People thought like the 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 te effect, the sample effect, which was um, done by Pete Hammond. Um, that was put forward by Pete Hammond. That was one of his little strokes yeah. of genius. Um, the they weren't sold on that. They weren't sold on that um, straight away. Yeah. They were like, oh. I think it's sort of going over too much. It's like it's a little bit cheesy perhaps. And they they trialled it out I think in an appearance or a club or something like that and no one could stop singing yeah. that sample. Tay, tay. To the extent that people thought the song was called Tay. Yeah. Tay, Tay, Tay.
1: tay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. And it's
0: it obviously a precursor to Tay,
1: go meet me, honey.
0: Yeah. So, and um, the giggles,
1: their giggles were put in as well.
0: Yeah, that's right. And that was that was um that was something that um, to, to use samples of them laughing in tracks. Yeah. That was something that used to happen a lot in the 80s, but it sounded like it often sounded uh, manufactured. It often yeah, sounded I very it fake. Yeah. But these ones didn't. No. It, sounded like, you know, awesome fun throaty laughter. Yeah. So they sort of grabbed a little bit of their naughtiness, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Now look Unfortunately, Mel and Kim. Before I guess they were able to enjoy any follow-up success. Poor Mel. Yeah. Poor Mel fell very ill when they were doing their first rounds of. Um, I don't even think they got to tour as such. They were just doing uh, singular appearances. Um, poor Mel. They were in Japan. Yeah, they were in. They couldn't in get Japan. Her out of the hotel She couldn't move. Then. Yeah. She couldn't move. They wanted to sort of rehearse dance steps and stuff, and and she couldn't do it. Yeah, she couldn't move. And um, they they got her sort of well enough to the point that she could return home to the UK. Mm. Went and got some tests, and she had cancer. the yeah. poor thing. Yeah. And um, she would only last a couple of years. The the poor thing. And she
1: was twenty three.
0: Yeah, something like twenty three. It's so so young.
1: Yeah.
0: So um, incredible. Um, Kim is still around, definitely, mm-hmm. but, you know, this was, this was sort of one of those situations where they were plucked out of nowhere, they had massive, massive success and, and then, uh, you know, struck down by, by some, some awfully bad luck and it's one of those cases where, um, uh, you know, like a candle – she she shone so bright, yeah. but, but only for a short amount of time. That's right. So um but you know what fantastic uh, songs they brought to to our youth yeah. at the time and, and they definitely made their mark. Like an um, amazing little duo there in Kim. Absolutely. Now we might do a couple of shout-outs, Sammy. Um, awesome. We had a lovely lady. What was her name? Let's see if you remember.
1: Desperate <laughs> Desperado. Despertina? (laughs) What's her name? Yeah, Despertina.
0: No, it was Despina. 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 What was her surname now? I don't know. No, go on, have a go. I can't
1: remember. Think. It starts with D. Dimitri? I don't know. (laughs) How would I remember?
0: It was Despina de' Medici or, or Dallas said it might be... De Medici. De Medici. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: That sounds a bit I thought better. it might
0: be De Medici, but anyway. Yeah, but could, you love
1: changing your names. Hey,
0: but no, the Medici were a famous Italian. The Medici. Um, the Medici's were a famous Italian uh, dynasty. So they, that's in Australia? where I get the.
1: No, Italian! That's what I mean, but were they in Australia because they changed the sounds of it in Australia? Oh, I don't De know. De Medici sounds a very Australian.
0: De Medici. De Medici. Yeah.
1: But she's bloody awesome.
0: Yeah. Despina had to say. What did she say? Well,
1: we, we were bringing up last week about how I'd hear <laughs> Janie's got a gun in a movie. Yeah. And I couldn't remember the name of the movie and it was about right. this chick. Everyone thought she was going to shoot them.
0: Despina had the answer, didn't she? She did. Yeah.
1: And it was, what was the fucking movie?
0: Oh, not another teen movie. Another
1: teen movie. Yes. Yeah. And she actually came up and wrote on our Facebook page and said, I know what you were talking about. So that was really well done.
0: Good on you, Despina. Yeah. I'm not sure if Despina is a pat- uh, Patreon patron yet. No, I don't yet. think she is. Um, Eve, you think she is? No. No? no. Okay, well – Here's your shout out. Absolutely. The spinner. Yeah. Get on board, mate. Now, if you want to become a patron of the show, you're basically like a little shareholder. You can buy subscriptions, $1, $3, $5, or for $10, you get extra episodes. We're going to be recording one tonight. It's going to be full of filth, which is why Dulles is here.
1: That's right. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> so you get extra episodes and all kinds of crazy shit. You can go... You can, Go beyond. Rather than $10 um, a month, you can um, sponsor us even further if you like, yeah. you know. And I'm sort of talking, you know, who knows? Who listens to this show?
1: Yeah. Oh, you know? no, there's heaps of tears. But, you know, a dollar a month would be very cool. We're yeah. happy with that.
0: I reckon if somebody came on board and did – um a fifty dollar tier, I would drive around their house and make it worthwhile.
2: Oh,
1: would ya? You? You're really, fucking really very would, easy. I then.
0: really, really would. If you're in the larger Melbourne metro area, this is a genuine offer. Fifty bucks offer. a month, male or female, mammal. You know, if you're a mammal and you live in Melbourne, <laughs> if you come on board.
1: But it doesn't happen every month;
0: just the once. <laughs> yeah, just the once, and if it goes well. <laughs> I'll be
1: back the day
0: after. But um, <laughs> very true. Yeah. All right. Good on you guys. Now, if you love the show as much as we do, please like, rate, review, and share. Give us five stars. iTunes. iTunes if you go on iTunes, you can give us five stars. Mm. You can make comments. Nice ones. Yeah. With swearing in it. Because uh, they always tickle our fancies. Yeah, that's right. And we by like fancies the I mean balls. <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah, it's the way to go. Come on board, uh, share it with your friends, listen to it in the gym when they open later later yeah. this year and um, listen to us while you're out on your walks. Oh, my God. When you're socially God. distancing. It's the, the
1: greatest for walks.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hey, isn't it awesome? We've made it through isolation together, you guys. We have. Fucking great. Things are opening up. It's wow. going to be
1: fantastic. Very slowly.
0: Yeah, it's going to be middle of winter and we're going to be able to go Soon out Soon we'll again. be able
1: to bloody have a gig guide back on the show.
0: That's right. We do have some bookings starting to come in yeah. again for Rewind 80s. So you'll be able to see us live again again. Well, again, again.
1: there is a website, rewind We do have bookings on there, but it just depends on what the venues and how many people they can cater for. Yeah. Because that's when it gets a bit tricky. Yeah. And we're not going down in price, bitch. So we no, will not right. be working if it's not viable. Yeah. You want, you want a half price fee, you get a half price show. That's right. Delivery. We turn yeah. up, pack up and go home again. That's <laughs>
0: right. Yeah, we There don't, you go,
1: there's your show.
0: We don't drink drink with anyone or rude oh. them or nothing.
1: It makes me wonder if the pubs actually appreciate the shit that went on with all the bands that pulled numbers because yeah. we're never going to see those numbers again. For the no. next couple of years we're not going to be able to do South Morang with 600 people there no. or 680 because no one is going to want to go there in these times.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting times. It's sort of, it's going to take a while for things to recover. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. So we don't know, but you can look on our website anyway and there's stuff there, but we are doing the wedge in sale March (laughs) next year. Yes. But you know what? That's when we could next gig.
0: I can't wait to go up and have a few wedges at the wedge (laughs) in sale. Absolutely. I cannot, I cannot wait. And
1: I think I'm booking Albury this week, which yeah. will be good. So if any Albury people – because we've got something like 500 oh, Aussies that listen know, to this.
0: We're booking them London, Paris, Albury That's sale. That's
1: right. You know? <laughs> we can't even go to London.
0: <laughs> That's we right. Can we go can to go sale. to sale. Mate. We're going
1: to lift the sale yeah. up.
0: liquidation sale. That's right. All right. Good on you guys. If it's music made or or cool cool shit shit from from the the 80s, 80s.
1: we're going to talk about it. Unreal.